Once again, what a joy it is to be with you. And we bring good tidings. We sang about the birth of the Lord Jesus, and I looked at the calendar, and our next time here will be Christmas Eve. So we'll probably bring uh, um, an incarnation message about the Lord coming. But today, I'd like to look at a passage. I love to read in the scriptures about the messages that Christ brought, about the incidences that he shared with people. And they're recorded in our Bible, so we get to read them again and again and again and rejoice in them. And there is an incident in the scriptures that I really, really enjoy, and we often know it as the Good Samaritan, the account of the Good Samaritan. And that is found in the book of Luke chapter 10. In the book of Luke chapter 10, And I'm going to start reading with verse 25 of the book of Luke chapter 10. And the scriptures tell us that there was a certain lawyer. Now the Lord knew the lawyer's name, but we don't have the record of it. It says a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. Now that's always the wrong thing to do with the Lord. It's never a good idea to just bring up a question for the purpose of trying to tempt him. And this lawyer did that. He's trying to make a name for himself. And it says, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this lawyer, because he was tempting him, didn't know him as master. He was just using that as a title to try to get in close to him. And he said unto him, the Lord said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Now, I don't know about you, but I've tried to do that. And I found out it is an impossibility in our natural state to love the Lord God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Now, we may say we do, but you know, really, we have trouble with that. We have that natural heart. And so the Lord said, if you can do that. Now, there's only one possible way that anybody that's ever born on the face of this earth that can love the Lord 24-7 and the rest of it is that we have been granted the righteousness of Christ because God loves God that way. And he gives us his righteousness so we can do that spiritually. Now, we're going to carry this flesh the rest of our life, but he allows people that he saves to love him in that capacity. So he says this, and you know the man had to say in his own heart, I I don't think I can do that. But he says, he goes on here, and he said unto him, Thou sayest right, you said it right. You've answered it correctly. But just having a good answer doesn't mean we have a change of heart. And then it says, Thou answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing, now he, the Bible tells us here in the next verse, really what he was trying to do. And this is a natural thing for us to do. It says, but he willing to justify himself, self-justification. Now that never meets anything with God. Self-justification, I'm okay by myself and I'll meet God okay. That's not what we're made. We cannot meet God 
on our self-justification. We must meet God on his justification. And he said, he willing to justify himself, he said unto Jesus, and who's my neighbor? The Lord spent three quarters of that sentence informing him there's something about loving God. And he comes up and he says, uh, let's set that part aside and let's deal with who is my neighbor? Well, he just cut off three quarters of the, what the law had to say because he didn't want to deal with that. He couldn't do it. So he brings up the subject of who is my neighbor? Now, the Lord shares with us a very, very interesting uh, uh, passage of scripture here with regard to a neighbor. And he's really illustrating to us that we are in a position in our natural state that we can't get out of by ourselves, and we really need help. And he illustrates this this way. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, this is more than a parable. I believe the Lord really knew this certain man. We don't have his name, but this man was going on a trip. And in that day and time, you either walked or you rode a mule or something like that. I think he was walking. And I don't know the distance from Jerusalem to Jericho, but it's some distance that he's traveling, and he's on a known highway. It's a regular trail that he's traveling, and it tells us on his way down, he fell among thieves. He's robbed. He's robbed of his wealth, and more than that, they took all his clothes. They left him broke and naked. And besides that, the Lord said, they stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed him, leaving him half dead. Now, from all observation, there was nothing about this man that was still alive. He looked like he was a dead man. He had been beaten. He had been thrashed on. He had been robbed. He'd been stripped of his raiment. And probably it was valuable raiment. That's why they would take it and left him in that condition. What a sad condition he was left in. You know, in many respects, we find that that's the way we were left in Adam. We were left half dead. We have the physical frame, but our spirit is dead. We have this ability to walk around and do some thinking, but when it comes to spiritual activity, we have no spiritual life. That must be given to us by God. So the illustration that the Lord shared with this man who wanted to know who his neighbor was, is he illustrates it by a man traveling along, along a trail, alone, and fell among thieves. Now, I can just see them sitting off in the, by the sidelines in some trees or some brush, waiting for this man, somebody, to come along so that they could rob and take all of his possessions. And when it was over with, they left him half dead. Now, the scripture tells us that there are two people come along before the good neighbor comes along. One of them, it says, as he's traveling along, and by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. Now, this priest was a Levitical priest. This priest was of the Levitical tribe. And according to the Levitical law, a priest could not touch a dead man. And this man looked like he was dead. So we cannot find so much fault with him because he didn't go over there and help. He was prevented from doing that by the law. And he illustrates to us in this passage of scripture that the law is not going to help us. 
by keeping the Ten Commandments. We're not made any better. We can't do it, and it will not satisfy God. So the law is not our helper. The law only condemns. The the law only judges. The law only brings us under worse conditions than we were. So we have a man left in the middle of the road, half dead, stripped of his raiment, all of his riches taken away from him, and a man comes along there that we think would be able to help him, and he couldn't. He's prevented by the law. And so he sidesteps the guy. He goes around him. I'm not going to get involved. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ said, and likewise a Levite. Now, this is a higher elevated person. We think maybe we'll get some help out of him. Well, we find out the same thing, that he could not, by the law, help this man that was left for half dead. The law cannot help us. Us saying I can keep the Ten Commandments is not going to help us because we can't. We cannot keep the Ten Commandments. We just find out that we can't do it. And we can't have our own righteousness. We just can't do it. It's an impossibility. And the Lord never accepts anything but perfection. That's one thing that we must have is perfect righteousness. It's required. God requires perfect righteousness. And since we don't have it, we're going to have to depend on someone else for it. And that's where the Lord is. He gives us that. Well, a certain Levite, a likewise a Levite, when he was at that place, came down. Oh, he got a little closer. It says he came down and looked upon him. Well, the other guy passed by, didn't even look. This Levite came down and he says he passed by the other side. He came and looked on him. Couldn't help him. The man is left there again. Nobody can help him. There's no help evidenced by these people. You know, I was in religion for 35 years, and I thought I could get help from people, but nobody could help me. I had too serious a problem. I had a heart that was desperately wicked. And I found out only God can help me out of that situation. Only God can save me. Well, the next person comes along. It's a certain Samaritan. Now, if we know anything about Samaritans, we find out that they were a second-class people. They were not true Jews. They were half Jew and half Gentile or some kind of mixture like that. And the Jews looked down their noses at them. They were not respected for anything. They were the outcast. They were not pure. They were... They were that other religion over there that nobody wanted to have a thing to do with, you know. A Samaritan. It says here, a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was. And when he saw him, he didn't turn away. He didn't get to the other side of the road. The Bible tells us that he had compassion on him. Now, that's what we want. We want somebody that will have compassion on us. We want somebody that will care about our situation. We find out that the law can't help us. We can't keep it. And when it's brought up, it just condemns us more and more. We need someone that has compassion, have feelings towards us. Well, we find out in the scriptures that the Lord Jesus Christ, that one that came down, born of a virgin, laid in a manger, grew up, confounded the doctors of the law at 12 years of age, at 33 years or 30 years of age, he began his ministry. He confounded people, but he had compassion on his people. It says here that this man had compassion on him. 
And he went to him. He had an intent at this point to do something for this man that has been left half dead. He had compassion on the situation. He had compassion on the man. He had compassion on some stranger. I don't think he'd ever met him before. But he had compassion on him. And it tells us here he went and bound up his wounds. You know, he went to his kit and he pulled out bandages and salve and all of the things he was carrying along for such a situation as this because he has compassion. And we find out the Lord has compassion on his people and he has the balm of Gilead and he has the bandages of his righteousness. And so he goes on and he says, pouring in oil and wine. In that day and time, that was the medicine that you have. Didn't have all the miracle drugs that we have today. They had oil and wine. And you know, under those circumstances, that is all that man needed. Well, it's pictorial of the gospel for us. We have that the wine of the gospel and the Holy Spirit represented by the oil and coming in. God worked a miracle here. He came and had compassion on a man that had been beaten, left half dead, stripped of all of his riches and clothing no more. Well, this man came along bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn to take care of him. Now, it wasn't enough that he just wrapped him up and poured in some oil and wine and said, well, that'll do, he'll probably survive. We find out he carried him to his beast. And he set this man on his beast, wrapped up. And that wasn't enough. It was not enough that he just put him on his beast. It says he brought him to an inn or a hotel or a motel. He brought him to a place that was accustomed to taking care of people. How gracious this Samaritan was that not only would he have compassion on him, not only would he wrap him up with bandages and pour in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and take him to an inn, but he also says... On the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. Now, two pence to us may not mean much, but it meant a lot, great deal. That's two days' wages. And he said, and gave them to the host and said, now this, this good Samaritan, he says, you know, um, I think probably he'll wash dishes and he'll make some rooms up and he can pay his own bill. He didn't say that. He said, here. I'll pay everything that he owes. What kind of person would do that? Pay every debt. This good Samaritan pays every debt of those he has compassion on. He pays their sin debt. The Lord pays the sin debt of his people. He took care of it all. He said, it's finished. I've paid it all in full. So the next day when he left, he told the man in charge of the inn, you take care of him and whatever you spend more. Now, if there's more of a bill, that's one thing about the Lord. He saves his people. He saved his people. He saves his people and he will continue to save his people. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So the debt continues to be paid. Whatever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay. How much did he ask of the man that was broken? Nothing. 
How much did he charge for the bandages? Nothing. How much did he charge for the oil and wine? Nothing. How much did he charge for carrying him on his beast? Nothing. How much did he charge him for putting him up in the inn? Nothing. And if there was any more debt to be paid, who paid it? The Samaritan. You know, the, the Samaritan is such a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's such a picture of him because the Lord was the God-man. God come in the flesh, the incarnate one. He is God and man. God in his glory come to had a body prepared to lay down his life, a ransom for his people, a payment for them. And whatever is owed, he will pay it completely. Which now of these, of these three, thinkest thou was the neighbor of him that fell among thieves? Okay. Choice number one, priest. Choice number two, Levite. Choice number three, the bad Samaritans. Choose which one would be the neighbor. And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Only one. Only one can show mercy. That was the Samaritan. Now, there's only one that can show mercy. There was a, two men, it tells us in the Bible, went down to the temple to pray. Oh, they're going to go to Jerusalem and pray at the most holy place in all the world. <laughs> the temple. And one of them said, Lord, I thank thee that I'm not like other men. I do all my good deeds, and I'm really thankful I'm not like this man over here. Now, over here is a publican, and he was a hated man, a tax collector, and the Lord said his prayer was this. Be merciful. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know what? He was. God was merciful. He went down to his house justified. And so this man who was called a Samaritan, a man that was an outcast, nobody liked the Lord Jesus unless God gave them a new heart. The book of Isaiah says that we, we esteemed him not. We, we, there was no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. He was not attractive to us because he just kept pointing out, you're having a problem, you're having a problem. Well, this man showed mercy and now it came to pass that they went, he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Again, he's just going to show mercy. So the lawyer who tried to justify himself did have to come to this conclusion. Which one of those three men was his neighbor? The one who showed mercy. No, we cannot demand mercy. We can only ask for it. We demand mercy. The judge doesn't have to give us any mercy. We plead for mercy. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Well, that's the reason the Lord Jesus Christ came as a baby anyway, born of a virgin. That's the reason he came. He came to make himself a ransom, to give his life a ransom for many. He shows mercy even today. He shows mercy upon his people 
when we get to hear the gospel, he speaks peace to us, he has shown mercy. We'll 